welcome to episode 34 of the Animal Addicts podcast. On today's episode, Casey gives some pet advice while I talk about some famous dogs. We learn about some more marine favorites. And our animal of the week this week is the stuff of legends. Don't forget to follow us on social media for pictures of all the animals we talk about, as well as links to articles. But for now, let's dive into episode 34 of the Animal Addicts podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 34 of the Animal Addicts Podcast. As always, we're your hosts, Allie. And Casey. And today we're going to talk about a whole new horde, or at least a mini horde, of animals. Are you laughing because you think it's whore? (laughs) (laughs) No? Oh, okay. Maybe. Okay, I was like, you're like trying to hold back a giggle. Because, like, you carry out the or part for some... Horde of animals. (laughs) Um, but before we get into that, Casey, what have you been up to since last time I saw you? Finals. Oh, the dreaded finals. How'd they go? A's on everything but one. Oh, and it eats away at you. And the one was the one I studied for the most. That is frustrating. That does yeah. happen sometimes, though. It's probably just a harder class. I I don't know. I don't like that topic anymore. It's like, it's <laughs> funny because, like, that was one of the ones that was on my plan to do. And it's like, why did I take this class? What class was it? The insect um, one? Eco-evo-physiology. Oh, whoa. So, why things evolved the way they did? Is that what that's about? What's that even about? It's... I don't know. That's <laughs> <laughs> why you've got to be in the class. <laughs> it's like, it's focused more on physiology. So, like, one of the things that was a topic was, like, the evolution of endothermy. And it's, like, oh. all the different ways of, like, measuring and study physiology in terms of how it fits into ecology and evolution. Oh, okay. Anyway. It hurt my brain. Okay, great. It would have hurt my brain too. I'm already kind of lost even with you just describing it, but that's okay. Yes. Anyway, well, that's fun, but they're over now. Yes, and so I've signed sure. up for my classes for next quarter. Is this your final quarter? Yes. Crazy. You have to get a job now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, good luck. All right, um... Well, no transition between the hard two things. <laughs> so I got to play, um, I haven't been able to play in one of my D&D campaigns for a while. And I got to, and we actually started a new campaign because it's Adventure League, which is a whole thing, which I don't really like. But anyway, um, it's a little more structured. And we started a new campaign and I was actually able to play and it was only the second time that they played this campaign so far. And I just, I'm playing a cleric this time because I'm trying to do something I haven't really done. Because mm-hmm. um, I've somewhat played a cleric before, but not as much. Um, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be a cleric. I'm going to not be a druid. <laughs> but it doesn't matter what class mm-hmm. I play because I'm always a druid. And we go in and when I join them, we have this like dog sled team that they've rented to go, you know, do this little mini mission thing. And we get back and we get attacked by a yeti. And we kill the Yeti, and like, food, because food is scarce in this place. It's like a frozen wasteland. So we, like, butcher the Yeti and take it back. And now we have all this Yeti meat, so we're able to trade. And it's like, well, we're probably going to need, I mean, obviously my motivation is I want dogs. Mm -hmm. But the more logistical reason is that we need a dog sled to carry our shit. Yeah. (laughs) And move around faster. 
So we're like, well, we can trade the Yeti meat for the dogs. So that team, so the person who owned the dogs gave us the dogs for, you know, meat. I'm like, sweet. So now I'm trying to, like, name all these dogs and everything. Um, and then we go out and we go on this next little mission thing. So we take the dog sled out. And what do we get? Oh, that's what happens. We wanted to, like, a bunch of, like, goblins and stuff. But they have two polar bears pulling, like, a war machine thing. And I was like, don't hurt the polar bears. We're going to also <laughs> take these. <laughs> We're going to get them to be on our side. And it was going well. Also, it was hilarious. This part has nothing to do with animals. But I am now, how dare you not put your thing on airplane? Mine is also not on airplane, but hopefully it won't be loud. Uh, but the funny thing is... It's unsilent. The clerics are the healers. We're not supposed to be big... Well, you can be. Especially at a higher level, you can actually do a lot of damage. But generally, we're more healers and not like battle people, right? But I'm a level one, so I have a whole, you know, total of two spell slots, which by this time have been used. So I'm like, I guess I'm shooting with my little crossbow. So we come up to this battle, and it was so funny because we have one person, I think he's a fighter. So they're ones who, like, can one-shot someone who's mm-hmm. not too um, too tough. One-shot, meaning you kill him in one strike. And he just could not hit this little goblin that has, like, no no AC armor class or anything. Just struggling so hard. After a while, he mm-hmm. just walked away from him. He's like, he just deserves to live at this point. <laughs> Meanwhile, me, the cleric, every single shot I took, kill shot. <laughs> Killed three different things. But then, so some of our party members get closer to, like, the little goblin boss dude. So he lets the polar bears go, and I'm like, no, stay away from the polar bears. They're going to attack you, and I don't want to fight a polar bear. So they wind up killing a polar bear, and I try to avoid killing it because it's, it's like eating one of our members, basically. So then I, they're like, I'm like, I don't want to shoot it. So I'm like, I'm going to try throwing because we brought some of the Yeti meat with us. I'm like, I'm going to try to, like, chuck the Yeti meat at it and get its attention and get it to eat that instead of attacking our party member. It did not work. Mm-hmm. And then one of the other polar bears, another party member, was able to put it to sleep. So they just fall asleep. So I was like, okay, so now that it's asleep, we're going to hook it back up, and then we're going to try to get it to be on our side. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're butchering its brother. <laughs> and I'm like, get that out of here. Don't let it see it. <laughs> so anyway, so none of it got wasted, you know, but still it was like, we're butchering this polar bear, and uh, and then our person who has the best animal handling check is just sucking at his role. So I'm like, I'm not trained in animal handling, but because I have a good wisdom score, like, let me try. So I go over and I feed and I brag the polar bear with food, and we get the polar bear to work with us. So now we're coming back after our second mission with a polar bear. So I'm like, each time we go, we're just going to collect new animals. We're going to have a dog sled team, then polar bears. Next we'll have, like, a mammoth. <laughs> And my team already knows. I'm like, you guys, this is bad. We have a dog sled team. Like, you're all going to be dying, and I'm going to be, like, fixing the dog's foot. (laughs) Anyway, this is why they don't like me to have animals. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, so D&D is really fun if you love animals, and it can be problematic, and your your team can sometimes Mm. not like you because you care about animals more than them. (laughs) Anywho, so, yeah. All right, well, let's uh, move on into what we wanted to talk about today, Casey. So what did you want to talk about today? So I'm actually going to give a little care advice. Uh, yes, we're doing some more pet advice. It's been a while since we've done that. We've done kitties and duggos. Yes. And now it is? Hermit crabs. Hermit crabs, yay. It's yes. a good pet if you were like in an apartment or something because they're smaller and easier to deal with. Yes, but not as simple as some people think because like, First off, a lot of people will think of them more as throwaway pets. And it's like, well, if you actually properly take care of them, they can live into their 20s and 30s. Wow, I didn't know that. I figured at least 10, but... Yeah. 
And also, like, they're social animals, so you should have at least two. Mm-hmm. So the hermit crab name is a misnomer. <laughs> I was seriously sitting here like, why? Because <laughs> it's a hermit. Got yes. It. And um, so some basic requirements in terms of, like, temperature, humidity, it should be around 75 to 85 degrees. Okay. And... Ideally, you'll want a heat mat for that, and you'll want to stick it to the back of the cage instead of the bottom, because hermit crabs, what they'll do is they have to molt, so they bury themselves in the substrate, and if you have it on the bottom, they will burn themselves or cook. Oh, no. Okay, I see. Yeah. They have to get under all of that, so the bottom of the glass or whatever. Yeah, so you want it on the back. Okay. (laughs) Or if you live in an area where it's constantly around that temperature, you don't really need it, kind of like with tarantulas and scorpions. You mean the same as them? Because yeah. Because they don't need it either. Okay. Yeah. As long as that's the right temperature where your house is normally at. Yeah. Um, also, um, they need more space than most people think because if you're having two, you should have at least a 20-gallon tank. And okay. it's I better to have the long ones rather than the standards because floor space is more important than height. Okay. They don't climb as much as... They will climb. They but, do, I mean, I've seen them climb, but they want to walk around more. Yeah, than and um, yeah, you can put stuff like cork flats and cork rounds in there. Mine always hides in his cork round throughout the day because they're nocturnal. Okay. But also, you need a lot of substrate. It should be a bare minimum, at least twice the depth of what how tall your biggest hermit crab is. Okay. Because they need to completely bury themselves when they molt. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Best is if you have, like, about six inches of substrate. Wow. Yes. Aren't, like, most 10-gallon, if you're going by the standard height of a 10-gallon, aren't they mostly, like, 12, 14 inches high? Yeah, that's about right. Wow, it's, like, half of it. Yes. Oh, damn. Okay. Mm -hmm. And for the substrate, you don't want to use, like, the calcium sand that you find at pet stores. You can honestly just use... I don't even use sand because the species I have is purple pincher. They only go to the beach when it's time for them to breed so you don't really need it but you can do a mix of like play sand that you get from home depot you'll just have to clean it first using a bucket dump the sand in there and then rinse it a bunch of times with a hose okay i was gonna say how do you i've done it before (laughs) i didn't i ended up not using the sand for my hermit crab i used it for something else but it's annoying so I just used um, coconut fiber. I would say, so was there an easier version? Because I would not want to clean sand. Yeah. Especially well, you don't even changing out their stuff. Well, you don't even need to really like. There's no need to deep clean. You just need to spot clean the topsoil because there's not really any point on cleaning the bottom stuffs when <laughs> they're never coming into contact except when they're molting. Yeah. Okay. So coconut fiber. Yes. Stuff. Okay. Which and, they also sell at pet stores. Yes. And. Um, You'll want to have both salt water and fresh water, and you can't just add salt to the fresh water. <laughs> you need to buy aquarium salt. I just have a gallon jug of water that I make a mix of, and then. Okay. And you'll want to rinse out the bowl whenever it evaporates, because otherwise you'll get very, very, very salty water. Yeah, super salty, yeah. Yep. <laughs> super salty. Yes. Okay. And um, it's good to have part of the top of the tank covered because you want to keep the humidity at least 70 percent okay and no more than 85 percent because then after that you'll probably get mold growing in your tank ew yeah so yeah 
I have like aluminum foil taped down covering most of my top to keep all the humidity in. Mm -hmm. And it stays constant around 70 to 80%. Okay. And in terms of food, you don't want to use the commercial food that's available. Really? Yes, because most of it has chemicals called copper sulfate or ethoxyquin, which are both pesticides. Why would they put that in? They use it as a preservative. Oh. It's also an active ingredient in pesticides, so... But why would the commercial food not be healthy for the animal that they're making it for? I'm assuming they're making it very specifically for hermit crabs and not just like a generic... Yeah. It's... Kind of a reptile thing, but I yeah. know where it... we used to work, the hermit crabs are by the reptiles, so... <laughs> yeah. It's a cheap preservative, and most people don't know really about that, so they don't know better... <laughs> I've only seen one commercial food that didn't have it. I don't think they make it anymore. Oh, great. So then what do you feed them, Casey? You can honestly, um, I reference um, hurryupcrab101.tumblr.com. It has, it's a Tumblr page that has a list of a bunch of different safe foods you can buy from food store, from just a grocery store. Mm -hmm. like stuff like mangoes, coconuts, bananas, carrots, peanuts, unsalted and unroasted. Okay. You can also give them calcium by giving them a cuddle bone. They'll eat fish. Which we learned comes from the cuddlefish, which yes. I never put together before that. <laughs> Look at us learning things. Well, me learning things. Yep. They'll also eat the seaweed. Also, you can give them frozen fish food because most of, you just want to check to see if it has those, but most of the time it doesn't have those preservatives. But you'll want to remove it within 12 to 24 hours because then it'll start gross. getting gross. That just makes sense. Yep. Yeah. So, oh, you have more. Sorry. Finish yes. what you're going to say, then I'll ask my So, questions. two websites. Another website that get, sells their own um, hermit crab food is called hermitcrabpatch.com. They have all their own made hermit crab food that they'll send to you. It's a bit pricey, but it lasts for a while. Okay. And it's and, all healthy, good stuff that and, keeps? Or how long does it last? It's dehydrated, so okay. you can use it for a while. And you only need to give it a little bit at a time because... The little hermit crabs, they don't eat a whole lot. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yes. And another important thing is with regards to their shells. Mm -hmm. Don't get the painted shells. They're toxic. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. They're labeled non-toxic, but that paint is non-toxic to humans, but it's not to crabs. Gotcha. Yeah. That's annoying. Also, the chip can paint and clog up their gills. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. And how often do they, like, grow? How often do they need a new shell? It... That depends on, like, the really small ones will molt really frequently, and they'll change their shells quite a lot. Mm -hmm. Older ones, they'll molt every few months or so, and they don't change as much. Oh, okay. Also, they're picky about their shells. So I'll, do you just put a variety of shells in there and be like, take which one you want? Yes, you should have <laughs> probably about two to three shells per crab. Okay. What yeah. if they fight over the same shell? What if they're molting at the same time, Casey? Well, if they're molting at the same time, you probably won't have a problem because sometimes people will have problems with them eating each other when one's molting. <gasps> yeah, so if that happens, you'll want Separate to... Them. Yeah, you can... If you catch one looks like he's about to molt early, then you can put him in his own isolation tank. Mm -hmm. Or another thing you can do if he's already molting, you can take a half-cut um, soda bottle and then put ice it over him. <laughs> oh, my gosh. How do you know if they're about to molt? They'll get pay paler. Okay. Yep. And also, like I was saying with their shells, most of the shells you'll find in pet stores are what's called a conch shell. Yeah. 
those are predatory snails and they have this very narrow opening and they don't like those. Okay. Um, you want what's called a tor turbo shell. Yeah. It has, those are herbivorous snail shells. They have a very circular opening. Because I remember the ones that have the circular opening. Yeah. Because I, I don't remember us really having the conch shells where yeah. we worked. I remember the circular ones. Well, the crabs always had the turbo shells on, but we sell mostly conch shells. Yeah, so the shells that we sold, though, I remember them being. Yeah. And a place where you can find a bunch of shells where I got mine was NaplesSeashellCompany.com. And none of their shells are painted, but some are polished, and that is safe. Ugh, weird. Okay. Yep. Like, look how pretty you are. Mm -hmm. So are they stinky? That's my next question. Not really. Just as long as you're spot cleaning and removing any old food regularly. How do they poop? Where does their poop go? Does it just get into the It goes substrate? on. You can find it on the substrate easily. Okay. Yep. You scoop it? Yep. Like a cat thing? Yep. Okay. Because at one point I was thinking of getting hermit crabs. Because mm -hmm. I was like, I want a fairly inexpensive pet that's not a lot of work. But like, how are they as pets, Casey? Are they fun? Do they interact? They're interesting. They're, like I said, they're social, so they're kind of interesting when they're interacting with each other. But mm -hmm. uh, they're most active at night, so during the day, not as much. You don't really want to hold them <laughs> very much because they will pinch you, yeah. even if it's inadvertent, because yeah. they'll just pinch wherever they go. Oh, where they walk. Okay. That mm -hmm. makes sense. Um, and are they loud at night then? Do they, they, like, run into things and make noise? They will. <laughs> there have been times I hear a big... Clink, and it's the shell hitting, hitting the, glass. the glass. Yep. Yep. All right, but and sometimes they'll make a little chirpy noise. Really? That sounds really cute. Yeah, I've oh. never heard it, but oh, yeah. Yeah, they seem like an interesting pet. So it's probably mm -hmm. good. Like, I feel like that's a good starter, like before you go to a reptile, probably. Yeah. Because it's kind of good practicing your temperature and your humidity. Mm -hmm. Although a lot of the reptiles are desert ones, you don't really have to worry about humidity. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, that's probably a good one for a kid. You just can't handle them. That yeah. Sucks. But most reptiles you can't handle too much, so. Yeah, people need to realize certain pets are for looking at, not for all like a, Yeah, watching them and being entertained yeah. by watching them. Mm -hmm. Well, Tiger Lily doesn't like to be held either, so <laughs> there's a lot of complaining every time that happens. Yes. All right, well, that is, um, so now, people, you have, you have a good idea for starters for kitties, doggies, and hermit crabs. Yes. So next time we'll talk By the way, just more. as a little fun fact, whenever you go into the cage, always t if you have a like a screen lid, check it cuz they oh, will climb they will climb the silicon that's the sealant on the oh, walls wow. and then climb onto the top. I have I hear it a lot cuz <laughs> I can like I can hear the very distinct noise of that, him yeah. climbing on the screen. And it's like, and "Oh, you'll get down eventually." That's when you play the Mission Impossible theme. Yeah. And like, yep. <laughs> like, "Oh, they're being sneaky today." All right. Well, um not really a segue, but um before we talked about animals like in um not Beethoven, but in that one movie, Homeward Bound and Homeward Bound 2 and yes. training them. And then we talked about CGC and all that, and if you wanted to get into dog training. And I was just curious about movie dogs and stuff. So I looked it up, and what do you know? Took me back to the AKC. But um, but they have an article, sort of, a page, I guess, more appropriately. The mouse doesn't work on that computer, Alex. Um, and it is about some famous movie doggos. Toto! Yeah, Toto. So Rest I'm in peace. Gonna, I'm not going to go over... Yeah, well, that was obviously a while ago. So, um, 
So I'm not going to go over all of them. They're, they they talk about six. I'm just going to hit on a couple and a couple little things about it. But obviously Toto oh, is super duper recognizable. Um, and now we know who you met. Now I know the dog's name that you met is Beethoven. Yes. If you met the original Beethoven at least. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, I was just a wee little baby. Yes. <laughs> so the first one is, of course, Toto, as Casey said. Probably the most famous. Oh, I mean, the last is pretty famous. But like mm-hmm. very famous of dog of doggos. So, um, I still can't remember the breed name. It's a, well, I almost lost it. Because um, Norfix and what it actually is, a Karen, they look a lot alike. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so anyway. Oh, that poor dog. Which dog, Toto? Karen. Oh, a dog named Karen. <laughs> That's sad. C-A-R-R-I-N. <laughs> um, oh, sorry, only one R. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, I lied to you. It's C-A-I-R-N. Oh, it's like Karen. Still sounds like Karen. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so um, so we're going to do a little bit on Toto because that one's the most famous. And then we'll kind of spot a couple other ones. But so the doggy who played Toto, their name is Terry. And they are a Karen Terrier. And Terry started life. This, again, is by the AKC. And I will link this article, of course. This page. I shouldn't say article. Um, started life being abandoned. Oh, no. But luckily... She was taken in by a loving couple, one of whom just happened to be Carl Spitz, owner of Carl Spitz's Hollywood Dog Training School. So Terry was um, super insecure, had a lot of anxiety and everything. So then um, she, and she had an unfortunate habit of peeing on the carpet. She was very, very (laughs) nervous, nervous, nervous. But anyway, so um, Spitz was training her and Spitz also trained military dogs. I feel like military dog training and movie dog training is very different, but okay. Um... Cover the basics. Yeah, but they trained, but um, but Spitz, whatever his name is, I already forgot it, Carl, Carl, um, trained military dogs during World War One. So when he was working with Terry, she started to come out of her shell and showed a remarkable ability to learn. And she did do a few um, movie roles and stuff before, before Toto, but during, I guess actually it wasn't that many. <laughs> it was like one. And that was in 1934, so obviously this dog's not around because... A lot of people aren't around anymore. Um, anyway, so the same year that she did her first one, um, she won over child actor. Who do you think it is? I don't know child actors. From that time period. Like the most famous child. Shirley Temple. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> I, I, need a, I need to get more confidence. Okay. Oh, you thought that might be yeah. right. Okay, there you go. So anyway... <laughs> So she went over Shirley Temple, and then Terry played Temple's canine friend in the movie Bright Eyes. So already getting a big a big deal, getting some movie star friends. Is a Shirley Temple actually named after Shirley Temple? I'm pretty sure yes. Okay. Because a Shirley Temple is a virgin version of, so it's like no alcohol because it was a child. Well, she's not a child anymore. But anyway, moving along. <laughs> <laughs> so Terry was then in Bright Eyes opposite Shirley Temple, and did a much you know many more movies after that. And between jobs, Terry spent time at the acre, at the acreage on their like farm place. Not really a farm, but was it a, a state of sorts. Um, and then Spitz learned that MGM was adapting a book, that book being Wizard of Oz, to into a movie, and they needed a dog that happened that had to look like the illustration at least. Um, so this is where it gets a little crazy. Oh, maybe this one doesn't get into it too much, but um, so. So they took Terry in to audition. Doggies definitely do audition. <laughs> Same as people. Um, 
And hundreds of dogs auditioned for this role. Hundreds of dogs. How many dogs are uh, doggy actors are there out there? That's crazy to me. Anyway, so hundreds of dogs auditioned for it. But Terry also charmed another person, Judy Garland, which mm. is funny because Shirley Temple was supposed to be that. So ah. <laughs> she essentially got the second choice for it and the first choice. Mm. Um, and then, of course, she was chosen to be Toto. And um, she made over 10 films after that. And then she lived out her retirement with the Spitzes, dying in 1945 at the age of 12, which I feel like a Karen should be a little older, but you know. Um, and then just some fun facts about her. Terry was a female, Karen Terry playing a male role, which happens yes. all the time. They're always playing the opposite sex. Um, and she earned... They're progressive is, doggos. This is what I love. She earned $125 <laughs> per week back in the 30s, right? Well, I think that was probably in the 40s at that point. Um, more than some of the human actors. <laughs> <laughs> and Terry was officially renamed Toto after the film came, came out. And then this is also really cool. I didn't know this. Terry is memorialized in the Hollywood Forever Cemetery... Um, with a plot and life-size statue. So you can go see Terry's. Okay. Yeah? This is just reminding me of like when some people will get their pets taxidermied and they pass. That's a little creepy to me. Yes. Statue's not creepy. Taxidermy's a little creepy to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't want them to leave, but like, I mean, I have Affie's ashes in my room. (laughs) But then I know people that have cloned their pets. Yeah, I don't know about that one. It's too expensive. Well, some people have money, Casey. Not everyone's like... Well, I want. I don't have money. I know. A lot of us don't, but some people do. <sighs> so anyway, of course, the next doggo is um, from Beethoven. So this one, the one who played uh, Beethoven... Oh, I guess we should talk about the, the trainer. <laughs> trainer Carl Miller spent months... Is every trainer named Carl? Apparently. Seems to be a thing. Um, and they spent months looking for the right dog and almost gave up when they met Chris dog's name is Chris. Why? <laughs> the two-year-old, St. Bernard. Um, and then having trained, it just goes on to say Miller's experience with um, with St. Bernard's. So... Does it say how many St. Bernard's they went through? It doesn't, sort of, and we'll get to that. Also, Homeward Bound is touched on, and that's what was the most important. Ah. Anyway, um, so according to Miller, Chris Chris's script called for him to perform a myriad of tricks. Some better suited to a dozen other dog breeds, but of course it has to be a St. Bernard. Um, And he was so successful, Mr. Chris, as the lead canine in the movie Beethoven, that he starred in the sequel. So he did make it to the second one. Um, Yay. But then shortly (laughs) after that, he went into retirement, and then of course he passed away. Um, But not immediately, but he retired. He's a St. Bernard. It takes like two years to film. (laughs) So, you know. (laughs) Eh. Anyway, and I guess so. he wasn't fully... I think they go into this in this little fun fact section. Let's see here. So, also, this is hilarious to me. An additional eight dogs worked as stunt doubles and understudies for Chris. What? How low on... How unimportant are you as a dog <laughs> to be a stunt double for a dog? Crazy. Anyway, so it was multiple dogs, but Chris was the main star. Sixteen puppies... <laughs> Of various sizes played the role of Beethoven as a puppy. And even though Chris weighed an impressive 200 pounds when full grown, he weighed a mere 156 pounds. <laughs> I know, a mere 156 during filming. So to make him look larger, they would shoot him in the foreground so that he looked bigger. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. 
And then 18 years after Beethoven was released, it's going to make us feel old, um, Chris, a.k.a. Beethoven, was named the public's favorite movie dog, according to a poll by MovieTickets.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Uh, it's just saying about the, the trainer. He also trained another St. Bernard who played a much less lovable canine character, Cujo. Oh, I my gosh. I think that was the St. Bernard, but I haven't actually seen it. So, anyway. It's a, I'm positive it's a St. Bernard. I thought it was like a um, Mastiff, but anyway. No, I, was that Old Yeller? Old Yeller is a no. lab. Crazies. Cujo's a big old drooling guy, so it probably is a St. Bernard. Uh, I get Anyway, There's a lot, too many dogs. They stuff. also talk about Lassie. I'm not going to do all the dogs, but Lassie was played by a boy. Um, oh, and also apparently all the dogs who played Lassie are descendant of that dog. I think his name is Pal, which is weird. But anyway, Pal. so oddness. But anywho, um, is this one that says yes? Okay, so just quicking. I'm not going to go the whole thing about Lassie, but Pal, the dog who played Lassie, also earned more than his co-star Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> A dog earned more than Elizabeth Taylor. I also did not remember her being in Lassie, so that's crazy. Does and it say how their dog, the dog, spent their money? It doesn't, because the dog doesn't get any money. <laughs> and most of them seem to live on like it seems like they are not like family pets, right? They like live at like a dog training facility, which like they have room to run. But I'm like, but you actually get like human interaction in a normal way. Okay, like, I'm just like thinking not. about this one video that's so sad to me. Why? Because it's this family finally has to leave their dog at like a doggy day camp and she was all by herself all day on the video because I didn't make any friends it's so sad Aww. were there not other dogs there or something no there were oh she just didn't make friends no that is Casey you're gonna upset me now I'm sad <laughs> sorry oh my gosh anyway um and pal however lived to be 18 so that's pretty good um and then it also talks about Hooch from Turner and Hooch. I Never watched it. Hooch, I think, is the dog, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, you can see that. And they also talk about um, the dog who played Queenie in Water for Elephants. And then there's just, um, oh, and then Air Bud, who apparently lost their leg shortly after filming one of them. Well, they developed something, and they had to get their leg amputated. Um, anyway, skipping down. Okay. So... <laughs> What? The title of that subsection. Do, do dog actors have understudies? Yes, they do. And we've learned stunt yes. doubles already. <laughs> Two. It's crazy. Anyway, so Shadow and Chance, we were wondering about this, right? Mm-hmm. So four golden retrievers played Shadow and four bulldogs played Chance. Which seems crazy because I feel like Chance has very distingu- like very distinguishing markings. Yeah. And anyway, um, they also talk about some other ones. Oh, this one's crazy, though. A whopping 22 different labs played Marley in Marley and Me, which I will not watch because I already know he dies. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, oh, oh, I didn't even say it, a burger Picard. <laughs> and because of Winn-Dixie, um, I think that's the dog that might, at least one of them, I think, might be one of the ones that works at Universal still. Huh. Um, but anyway, so it just talks about that, so it's interesting. But yeah, so it'll tell you more about those doggies too. But yeah, so usually there are more than one dog. And we now know that Chris, the St. Bernard, did make it to the second Beethoven movie. I think there's like five of them, though. Um, I think there's more. I don't know how many Air Buds Bud got to do. Oh, but actually, his story's a little cool because he just ra- wandered out of the mountains. Like the guy who found him <laughs> was camping. And he just wandered. Which also, I wonder, though, if it was someone's dog in just a rural area. <laughs> 
but whatever. Well, it didn't surprise me. That's how where I live is the dogs and cats. This roam. Just roam. Yeah. So, but anyway, he came wandering out of the mountains. So, then he became a movie star. So yeah. So <laughs> animal actor. So there you know. Now you know some of the famous ones. Um, Terry, for a terrier. That's very obvious. <laughs> Pal, and Chris, because that makes sense. They don't tell us the names. This so. I want to judge these people for giving these names, but I know I'm not good at giving names either. Um, my names are awesome most of the time, unless the dog comes with it. <laughs> so. I remember one time there was a cat from the rescue we worked with. Its name was Squirrel. <laughs> That's kind of funny, though. I, maybe they acted like a squirrel. And they probably had a fluffy tail. She, He did not. He did oh, not have a fluffy tail. That's a dumb name. Yeah. There Obviously. was also a... I think it was a calico named um, Sashimi after Shushi. That's kind of cute, though. She was a brat. <laughs> she was so mean. <laughs> well, anyway, that has nothing she to do with She took us name. water being nearly hit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're going to survive getting hit by a cat. Yes, but it's rude. I don't want to. It <laughs> makes me feel like cats don't love me like I love them. Oh, my gosh, I saw this little story posted I think on Facebook and it was like I lie about my cat all the time I tell people she's like I have a very friendly cat but I tell people that they're not friendly and they don't like people so that when someone comes over and the cat comes up to them they feel special that the cat liked them <laughs> <laughs> oh that's too I good I would feel special about that I'd be like oh it's like the meme me. where it's like the cat sits on a lap and is like I have been chosen <laughs> yep and then, like, I think it was one where it was like, sex is great, but have you ever been in a room full of people and the dog chooses to sit next to you? Yes. <laughs> it's great. Anyway, all right, well, we should probably get into our actual, um, our, our main horde of animals that we're here to talk about today. Um, so, we said it was Casey's turn. Nope, this No, is my, it wasn't. This was my choice. <laughs> and I decided, I decided that we would choose our favorite kind of seal. Yes. Yay. I like seals. They're cute. Yes. I took this literally as seal and not pinnipeds. Yeah, I just went to a pinniped website to look at them because I didn't know okay. kinds of seals. <laughs> and I, so we both chose seals anyway. Yep. <laughs> so um, You right. might not like mine. I know because yours is evil and it eats all the penguins. <laughs> it's prob- but you know what? Those killer whales go after it too, don't they? So No. Well, they did it to the one on the friggin' iceberg. Not iceberg, but a little sheet of ice. There's that a wasn't little... a leopard seal. What was that? A well, now seal. You know, now you know <laughs> this is a leopard seal. Well, that makes me sad. Yeah. But I'll get into that a bit okay. later. All right. So, yeah. Leopard seal. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Casey's favorite seal is a leopard seal. Because, of course, it goes with a murdery one. Yes. It's hydro... Mm-hmm. Its scientific name is Hydroga eptonics. Hydroga? Yes. That's fun. They are primarily confined to areas around Antarctica, but sometimes they'll go, can be spotted around the sub-Antarctic islands. Okay. And as seals are, they are mostly living on pack ice, but sometimes they're on the islands, as I just mentioned, spending vast majority of their time in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And they are the largest Antarctic seal. Yeah. The third largest seal worldwide and the fourth largest pinniped. I'm assuming they're the third largest seal behind, like, elephant seals. Yes. Okay, yeah. And I'm assuming the walrus. I think we probably touched on this. I'm sure the walrus, walrus is, is the third largest pinniped. A walrus is the third largest? Yes. Who the fuck is bigger than a walrus? Both species of elephant oh, seal. Oh, elephant seal. Yeah, okay, there we go. That makes sense. Yes. Continuing on. Sorry. Yes. 
And they are a sexually dimorphic species, with the Full females being yeah. larger. Yeah. Yep. There's actually a very interesting correlation with seals and males being larger females. The sexual dimorphism becomes more extreme with the larger sized harems. Like elephant seals have these huge oh, harems, yeah. and the males are like six times the size of the females. Oh my god! They're huge, man. That's terrifying. <laughs> I saw some northern elephant seals when I was around Santa Barbara. Those ones weren't even full grown, <laughs> and they're huge. Oh, that's terrifying. That's why they're called elephant seals. Yes. Anyways, the males are three meters long and weigh 300 kilograms. Okay. Females are 3.8 meters long and weigh 500 kilograms. Okay. Yes. And little is known about their lifespan. The oldest record was one living to be 30 years old. Okay. It's estimated, though, they live on average to their mid-20s. Okay. And they have, they're kind of unusual body for a seal because seals are usually short and chunky. Okay. Where these guys are pretty long, slender, and streamlined, which helps them being very agile predators in the water. Right, because they have to be to get their prey. Yes. And they are the apex predator of Antarctica with no known natural predators. Are they actually the apex? Because I feel like the other predators who go down there also hunt the same things. Well, apex so predator like, just I, means I, that I you like don't. you're sharing it with others. Well, yeah. Okay. They're great. top predators. Okay. But, um, yeah, some you'll find on, like, the Wikipedia page saying that their only natural predator is orcas. Mm -hmm. It's not as substantiated by evidence. Um, all what that information comes from was one instance when there was this boat down in Antarctica, and they saw the remains of a seal after orcas were feeding mm, and the pattern they soon was a leopard seal but there's several other seals that have that kind of um coat pattern kind of like weddell seals are somewhat similar as well okay. but no evidence to suggest that orcas hunt leopard seals i would be very surprised if they would anyway because that's a dangerous prey item for them to go after because they're quick and can try and bite them yes yep and they're cautious with things like crab eaters and weddell seals. But I'm still thinking of that. I never actually watched the full thing, but I just mm -hmm. don't want any that poor seal just mm -hmm. like traumatized for the last moments of its life. I I remember the first time I saw that, it was so awesome. It's not awesome. It's awesome. The panic and its poor face. It knows it's gonna happen. It's trying to avoid it so hard and it goes on. Just enjoy the story of life. No, I don't. That's <laughs> awful. Kill quickly. Anyway, continue. Yeah. So, the adult, the juveniles, they'll feed on stuff like krill and fish. The adults will eat on more substantial things like larger fish, as well as mollusks, and penguins, mm -hmm. and seal pups. Oh. Yep. Other, other seals pups, I yep. imagine. Yes. And they have also been observed in practicing what's called kleptoparasitism. Stealing what? Stealing prey from another... Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. There's a... Nat Geo caught a video when they had a camera on a leopard seal. It grabbed a seal pup and took it out. And then another leopard seal comes along and steals the seal pup. <laughs> yep. Poor little seal pup. Yes. And they are currently listed as least concerned by the IUCN red list. It's estimated they have about 18,000 mature individuals left. Okay. All right. Leopard seal... <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I'm yawning, but the leopard seal is a... Are you not entertained? <laughs> Wrong movie. It's not in that movie. Um, what movie is that even from? I think it's Gladiator, isn't it? 
I don't yeah, know. I'm pretty I, sure it's Gladiator. I remember the first time I heard that phrase was on John Oliver. <laughs> yeah, it's a reference. I'm pretty sure it's Gladiator. <laughs> anyway, um, well, that was a while ago. <laughs> anyway, so yes, leopard seals, cool, but also dicks, but like they kind of have to be. Also, I mean, like you're in Antarctica, there's limited options. So, yes. you know, also they're dangerous to people too. Mm-hmm. So don't fuck with the leopard seal, dude. Yeah. I remember I saw one video, though. This is a very weird leopard seal, and it found this diver, and um, it actually was chasing off other leopard seals and caught a penguin and tried to give it to the diver. He's like, oh, you are useless. I'm going to help you. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. Well, my favorite seal, which I don't actually know anything about. I was just looking at seals Mm because I was probably going to choose a harbor seal because they're so cute usually. But Fun fact, one time I was at the beach and a harbor seal popped up right next to me. I'm jealous of you, but you didn't realize it. <laughs> no, I didn't realize till they told me, my family told me when I got back to shore. Which is awesome, but also at the same time, like, I feel like, where are the whales that are going to eat me because this thing is near me? <laughs> uh, or sharks, actually, more probably the point. Um, but anyway, so I chose, because when I was looking at pictures, it had the most distinctive pattern. Um, so I chose the ribbon seal, and there... Scientific name is, ooh, I need to get new context. That's not their <laughs> name, but I need to get new context. Is Histrophoca fasciata. Going with that. Yep. I feel like that was pretty close. They live in the Arctic, and they are most commonly found in the Bering Sea and the Sea of huh, Okosta. <laughs> is this Russia? It's definitely Russia. It's okay, Russian. Well, this has to be Russia. Okost <laughs> near Russia. They are 1.5 meters long, weigh up to 70 kilograms, and live around 20 to 25 years old. Aw, little cuties. Their diet consists of a variety of cephalopods, crustaceans, and fish. And the bulk of their diet is wallaby pollock, whatever that is. Some sort of Walleye. Walleye, yep. I don't know wallaby and <laughs> letters in. I do that a lot, right? I like we got a lazy. macropod fish here. Yep, I'm lazy with, uh, with words, and I'll just read it. I'm like, it's probably that. Um, walleye, pollock, and uh, magistrate armhook squid. So go them. Why is it called magistrate? What the heck? <laughs> weird names. Anyway, a higher proportion of their body weight is attributed to their visceral organs, which, or to their visceral organ. Yeah, okay, whatever. It's visceral. No, I, visceral, but organs, and then which. I was very confused by that. I'm gonna take it back. A higher proportion of their body weight is attributed to their visceral organs which is suspected to be a possible adaptation to increase their diving capacity, like other seals. And unlike sea lions, they are primarily solitary and not particularly vocal. Unlike other seals, mothers will leave their pups unattended for long periods of time, mostly due to the fact that there are not many predators where they live, which is very nice for them. Mm -hmm. Oh, they actually get to live for the most part. Yep. Major predator is most like most morse, most likely orcas, those fuckers. <laughs> um, and they may occasionally be hunted by polar bears. Oh no, is that the type of seal that got eaten by the polar bear that you saw? No, okay. that was a ring seal, which are also very cute. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, so yes, so I'm sorry, I got distracted when I saw polar bear. <laughs> <laughs> may occasionally be hunted by polar bears, but not very often since ribbon seals live further south than most of the polar bears' range. 
They are currently listed as least concerned by the IUCN Red List, and they're estimated to be about 180,000 mature individuals. They're really cool, and I really want to see one. Because yeah. their markings are awesome, dude. Like, what? They're so cool. They, they remind me of, like, a chocolate with, like, little like, <laughs> swirls in it, you know? Anyway. Yeah. But yeah, they're super cute. So yeah, when I hear when I hear the name Ringzilla, it makes me think of those guys because they look like they have actual rings on them. Kind of, but the way it is, like I get why it's a ribbon because it looks yeah. like a ribbon that's like swirling. Anyway, they're super cute looking, yeah. and obviously we'll be posting pictures of these yeah. guys. And just a little comment on like seals between Antarctica and the Arctic is that polar bears create a certain pressure on seals, so you can see very different behaviors. Like, you'll see seals in Antarctica on the ice flows all the time just resting. You'll see them very rarely on ice flows for an extended period of time in the Arctic. They also don't defecate on the ice flows. That makes sense. Yep. They don't want to attract them. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, those are our favorites. Favorite seals. Let us know what your favorite seal is. But now it is time to venture below the water (laughs) for something crazy. Casey's going to tell us about our Animal of the Week this week, which is... The Colossal Squid. The Colossal Squid. (laughs) Tell us about them, Casey. Yes, so I'm going to butcher some names. That's fine. So the order is... Egypsida. And they come from the family Crankidae. And the scientific name is Mesonic... Mesonut... (laughs) Mesonic... Mesonotuthis Hamiltoni. Hamiltoni? Sounds yes. like Hamilton. Okay. Well, that's, it's named after the research that discovered it. Oh, okay. Yeah. They live in the southern ocean, ranging from Antarctica to the southern ends of Africa and South America. Okay. That's a good range. Yes. And similar to the giant squid, they live very deep in the ocean, over a thousand meters deep. And no adult specimens have been found, so it's unknown what their lifespan is. Okay, because they're really deep and very cold. Mm -hmm. But they are the largest invertebrate by weight in the world. Ooh. Yes. How big are they? Do we know? We'll get to that. Okay. (laughs) They are sexually dimorphic, uh, with the females' specimens being larger. Yes. We don't know how big the difference is, but the largest individuals get to be 14 meters long. Holy shit, that's really big. Yes. That's why it's called Colossal. Yes. These are probably what, like, monsters are based off of. Possibly. Maybe the giant squid, but still. And um, their mantle, which is, like, the big... Think of a squid, the main body part is a mantle. like, hood part, yeah. Yes. It's two to four meters. Whew. That's more than you. Yes, it is. (laughs) I don't like it. (laughs) And they can weigh up to 500 kilograms. Oh, boys. Yes. The giant squid's technically a bit longer, but... The colossal squid outweighs it. Right. And their primarily primary prey is large fish, like the Patagonian toothfish. No idea what that looks like, but sure, it's big fish, <laughs> apparently. Yes. Apparently, we'll have to talk about Patagonian fish, fish tooth, what? No, toothfish? Patagonian toothfish. We'll have to work on that sometime. <laughs> yes. And no surprise, this species is an example of deep sea gigantism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Now, Allie, do you remember what other animal we talked about that was an example of this? Oh, come on, man. It's not going to be the anglerfish because they're no. not giant. <laughs> it goes way back. We've been doing this for over six months now, man. We've talked about a lot of animals. 
a giant squid, a giant, not the giant isopod. Yep. Oh, giant isopod? Giant isopod. Yay! Yes. I just don't think of them as being that big. Well, look at an isopod. They're huge. I mean, like, they're big for an isopod. Like, but I'm saying they're just not like a colossal squid giant. Yes, but they're huge compared to a little isopod. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, I yes. got it right. That matters. Yep. <laughs> and do you remember the hypothesis for what causes giant... Deep sea gigantism. Obviously not, because I was like, <laughs> how are they supported down there? How can they do all that? I, I don't know. Yes. So the there's four main hypotheses, one of which is that low temperature reduces their metabolism, which leads to longer lives, and they gr can grow oh, much larger. okay, yeah, okay. Yep. Another hypothesis is that the large size results in low surface area, which results in better thermoregulation. How does a large size result in less surface area? So that large surface area in relation to volume. As you get bigger, your surface area becomes larger. I mean smaller, reverse that. It's the same reason why our cells are very small. This is very weird to me, it makes no sense, but okay. Yeah, it comes down to um, isometric um, first principles, where if you have a similar shape and scale it up, like if you have a one, um, a one by one centimeter cube. If you double that, the surface area to volume ratio oh, will get smaller. I get what you're saying now. Okay, yeah. gotcha. It's the same reason that. So, like um, a mini Reese's cup has a bigger surface area than a larger mini Reese's cup. Not mini, but the normal Reese's yes. cup. As far as like the peanut butter and chocolate filling, <laughs> that's why I like the mini ones because there's more chocolate on the outside. <laughs> We've solved that mystery. We explain it. We will explain it in Reese's Cups. <laughs> That's why the mini Reese's Cups are better. I've never heard an explanation like that. But... It works. Yes. <laughs> now you can uh... tell all your biology friends if anyone's having trouble with that. It's like a Reese's Cup. <laughs> that was something in my physiology class, too. Surface area to volume ratios. Um, another hypothesis is there's less food, which delays um, sexual maturity, and thus they live longer grow bigger okay. as a result of longer lives. And large size could be an adaptation to the huge amount of pressure. That would make sense. Yep. Now, along with the, being the largest invertebrate, they also have the largest eye of any animal on Earth. It's going to be creepy. How big is it? 30 centimeters in diameter. It's like... Yeah. I always say I'm a very ruler, and I <laughs> never do. It's like about that, right? I would say so. I like think not a car tire, but like a steering wheel at least. Probably bigger than a steering wheel. I would say bigger than a steering wheel. Yeah. Yep. It's like a pizza. <laughs> but not a Costco size pizza. I don't know the diameter of pizzas I eat. <laughs> All right. Yeah. But unlike the other the giant squid, the one thing that makes this colossal squid different is the fact on the club part of the tentacles that actually grab the prey and pull it in. Mm -hmm. So they have hooks on the suction cups. Ew. And they'll use that to hook into the fish and then pull it in. So they really use their little tentacles too to like suction them or do they really just get their little hooks in and pull them? It's both. both. Okay. Yeah. It's just because they'll eat like meter long fish. That's true, I guess. So yeah. they need those hooks. To get that traction in there. I'm like, yep. oh, you can't leave. Yep. As I dig my nails into my arm. Yes. Oy. And they have an incredibly low metabolism. A five kilogram toothfish can sustain them for about 200 days. 
Whoa. Yes. Damn. <laughs> yeah, and because of this low metabolism, they're probably not active hunters like other squid, but they'll just go out swimming, searching for prey. It's they're probably just there. drifting along until they detect something and then snatch it. Okay. Also, if you, there's only a few like really large full specimens. I remember seeing a video of a young one being pulled up and it's like, you have to remember, this is a youngster. <laughs> And it's huge. <laughs> and um, it's a, sometimes you'll find like really young ones nearer towards the surface. It's suspected that as they mature, they will go deeper down into the ocean. And they suspect that's because they're trying to avoid predators. That seems weird to me. Well, I guess they don't move well, so like a whale could come after them. Yeah. But, um, but younger, you would think they wouldn't be as, are they faster when they're younger then? How do they avoid the predators if they're Probably. higher? This is strange. Anyway, yeah. okay, continue. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's unknown whether or not they really use their chromatophores because there's not much saying them down there. Okay, you mean where they can, like, change color yeah. a bit, yeah. Yeah. And their only natural predator are sperm whales. That's that article I saw where a sperm whale, and they'd gotten in a tussle. Yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll, Antarctic sperm whales, they'll have, like, these huge rake marks on yeah. their sides, and that's from them fighting colossal squid. Oh, my gosh. So crazy. Mm -hmm. Crazy, crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and actually, a significant portion of the information that we have on colossal squid comes from tentacles and beaks that we find in sperm whale stomachs. Wow. Yes. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. They also have the largest beak of any squid. How big is their beak? It's going to be terrifying. I'm not sure. I could not find the exact dimensions. Oh, that's going to be scary, though. <laughs> probably yes. chop our neck off. Yes, but it probably wouldn't eat, be able to eat you because squid anatomy is bizarre. Because <laughs> their brain, it's in the shape of a donut. Yeah. And it surrounds their esophagus, so there's a limit on how big of a food item but they can swallow. But if they can eat a, a meter-long fish... They could eat a child at least then. Maybe, probably. A small person. Yes, but what's a child doing down there? Well, there's no, <laughs> they're definitely dead if they're down there at that point. So, and they're probably shrunken because the pressure is. <laughs> anyway. And um, it's unknown whether or not they have ink sacs and use them, considering. Why? Why? <laughs> I do remember there's been some hypotheses that the giant squid that lives deep down might eject bioluminescent ink. That'd be cool. That'd distract yes. you. Mm -hmm. But we don't know. Okay. Yeah. It's hard to know things that are deep down there. Yes. But the deep down stuff's so cool. Oh, it's terrifying. It's awesome. To you. Yes. To everyone. It I mean, be. it's interesting mm -hmm. for sure, but terrifying. Yes. We don't need to know what's down there. Yes, we do. Wasn't there? Posted, it was like, what was it? It was something that was saying, like, forget exploring like outer space or like a space. I want to know what's in the bottom of our oceans. And then someone responds, like, NASA knows. They've seen what's in the bottom of the oceans and they are constantly looking to escape. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, I know what's down there. Oh my gosh. Anyway. Yeah. So, by no surprise, these guys have not been assessed by the IUCN Red List. Oh, I'm shocked. But they're suspected to be least concerned or vulnerable, given that they're a prominent prey item of sperm whales, and currently they're listed as vulnerable. That makes sense. Okay, yeah. But yeah, that is the colossal squid. All right. Well, that is a cool, a cool thing. And um, speaking of of large things, not mammal, but 
What did the walrus say when some orcas were trespassing in his property? I don't know. Whale, whale, whale. What have we here? <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us to the challenge. Yes. And it's Casey's turn to challenge me with fake money, hopefully. Yes. All right. Oh, we have to track how much money I get, and I don't have a writing implement. But anyway, okay, great. We'll just yes. remember it magically. So we'll be working like last time. Okay. There's going to be 100, 200, 300, 400, and 500 dollar questions. Yes, yes. And I have five categories? categories. Okay, what are my categories? Animal addicts history. Okay. <laughs> Words that make me sound smart. Oh my god, I love that one. Okay. <laughs> Spineless marbles. Okay. Scary sex. Oh Jesus, that's <laughs> so you. Stranger than fiction. Okay. Okay. I will give you. As much time as last time. Are you saying that? It's hoping I'll remember how much time you gave me because I don't. It was 10 minutes. Okay, good. Because I have to remember this for your next one too. So we've changed the rules. 10 minutes and you can go past the questions that you don't get. Yes. All right. Ready? Oh, I'm, we'll have to refresh my other categories, but I'm just going to choose one. Go, Animal Addicts History. Okay. 100, obviously. What was the very first animal of the week? Quad Monday. That is correct. Oh, 200, sorry, yes. Okay. What well, was the very first invertebrate animal of the week? Oh, come on, man. Um, I don't think it was anything from there. Are we in Central South America? I don't think so. We're probably in the ocean, right? Mm. So, was that the isopod? Yes. The giant isopod? Okay. Let me see. Oh, 300. so shit, 300, yes. What was the first ectotherm animal of the week? Fuck. Um, was that the Gila monster? I don't remember. That was not. Okay, we'll get over that later. 400. What was the largest animal of the week? I should know that. We've done so many now that it's a lot harder. I can't just go through, like, a couple areas. Um, I don't think it's Africa or Asia, is it? Nope. No. It's not Australia. Is it a freaking ocean thing? I don't know. I'm just freaking out, man. I don't know. I'm on this includes this week. Including this week. Oh, the colossal. There we go. Okay, thank you. Colossal yes. squid, yes. Okay, now 500. How many invertebrates have been animal of the week? Oh, come on, man. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and try to figure that out. I'm just going to say four. You were close. Three. It was five. Damn. Okay. All right. Uh, no, shit. Stranger than fixing, because that's what I remember. <laughs> the category. 100. Rept what reptile gives a striking resemblance to snakes? Oh, the sheltapoos. Nick. Yes. Yep. Oh, 200. Okay. Same category. What reptile appears like a lizard but belongs to its own ancient lineage? Fuck, it's that one. Tad of Tad, 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 there's A's in it. <laughs> we talked about it. Is that Oceana, I think? Um, Terragot, nope. Tyranita. I don't remember his name. Tara, nope. It's Tara something, isn't it? Nope. You're right with the T. Oh, God. It's a... T t but there's A's in it, too. Yes. Because it's like A-R-A -A or A-G-A or something like that. Tawanga. I have no... I, I can't remember okay. his actual name. <laughs> next, next one. Next one. Yeah. 
What tiny primate has eyes so large it can't move them? Oh, no. We definitely talked about this. It's not the slow loris. No. It's... Who was yours? Wasn't it yours? God, I think it was. Probably. I think it was. Man, I gotta look back. Oh, wait, no. Stuff. This was an animal of the week. Oh, it was? Yes. I'm the worst. I don't remember. Oh, my gosh. Who was that? Was that from Asia? Yes. Or no, was that Oceana? That was Asia, right? What was their name? What was its name? I'm failing at our own podcast. <laughs> I don't remember its name. It was something cute. That's not helpful. I don't remember nope. his name. I feel like it also began with a T, but I don't yep. remember. It does? Fuck. Tujui? No. Nope. I'm not going to remember it. Keep moving on. It's failing. No money for me. What group of animals are fish more closely related to than sharks? Us. Yes. Do I have to say, like, primate? I don't know what to say. I put any any tetrapod. Anything. Okay. I put any tetrapod. All right. I'm assuming 500? Yes, 500. Sorry. What ancient fish is more closely related to us than to other fish? Was that the coal, the West Indian coal and coal? I'll give it to you. It's pronounced coelacanth. Yeah, I can never get that. Coelacanth, yep. Yep. Uh, the, was that 500? Yep. Oh, what are the other categories? Shit. Um, Words that make you sound smart. Let's spines, do that. Okay. Words that make you sound smart. For what whatever. word means physical difference between males and females? Sexual dimorphism. Yes. It's a double word, but that's okay. <laughs> what word refers... It's hyphenated. Oh, okay. I'm lying. <laughs> what word refers to beneficial interactions between two species? You've literally asked me this before, yes, and I, I still have. forget it. Symbiotic? That's what type of interaction is. That's just a general definition for interaction. It's a special one where both benefit. Oh, my God. You've literally asked me this before. Yes, I have. <laughs> it's like a quiz. It's like a final. It's cumulative, and I'm just failing it. <laughs> um... Um, it's not symbiotic. It's, I don't remember. I'm terrible. I didn't know I was having to study. <laughs> I don't know. Move on. All right. 200, 300. What word means eggs hatch inside the mother then gives birth? Vipoviferous. <laughs> Something like that. No. Um, no, vipor, whatever. I got it wrong already. Yep. So the next one. What word means a female can reproduce without mating? You got five minutes. Um, I don't remember that. We've only done that like once. Awesome. <laughs> no. Badass bitch. <laughs> no. I don't remember it. Okay, <laughs> what word means animals that eat ants and termites? Oh, no, we've done this one before too, and it's a weird. It begins. With, does it begin with an M? Yes. <sighs> men, men. I'm never gonna get the whole word. Because of an M, I think it ends with an S. Maybe. <laughs> men, men. Minogynus. <laughs> 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 okay, scary sex or spineless marvels? Let's just get scary sex over with. <laughs> what group of animals is well known for males giving birth? Seahorses. That is correct. 200. What is the name of insects that inject their eggs into another organism? They have their whole, a whole name for a whole group of them? Well, it's not a... It's a name, yeah. I've talked, I've a referred to this. Parasitic wasp? You're very close. Is a specific parasitic wasp? No. Oh. You have most of the word. Oh, no. Parasitoid wasp? Yes. Oh, okay, there we Parasitoid. go. Parasitoid. Okay, parasitoid, got you. Okay, 300. And what species will the male fuse to the female and become a sperm packet? That one, I believe, is the anglerfish, correct? That's correct. Okay. 
What kind of reproduction is it when a male injects sperm into the female's abdomen? Creepy. <laughs> um, I don't remember the technical term for that. I'm simply skipping that. Ejaculation, disgusting. <laughs> um, yep, skip it. On to the next. What kind of reproduction is it when the larvae develop in the female's body cavity? Shitty. Um, it's I don't remember that either. Okay, I'll skip that one. Yep, and then we're on to spineless something. Okay, spineless yeah. marvels. One hundred. Yep. What charismatic insect partakes in one of the longest migrations in North America? In North America, I'm going to say the monarch butterfly. That is correct. Yay. The 200. What marine invertebrate has its blood harvested to check safety of medical equipment? Yep, we did talk about this. <laughs> it wasn't an animal of the week, though, right? I think it was just no, it another animal we talked about. Yep. Um, shit. It wasn't this like a crab? That's in its name. Ah, uh, it's... Is it a horseshoe crab? It is. Yay! Next question. What insect tricks ants into taking care of it as a larvae? Yep. Yeah. Oh, you've asked me this before and I got it wrong. Yes. I'll call blue butterfly. That is I correct. I learned one thing <laughs> from my mistakes. What giant cephalopod uses hooks to capture its prey? A colossal squid. Yes. Yay! This shiny jellyfish is the only... <laughs> Your kanji uh, jellyfish? Yes. <laughs> With singing cells on its bell. Okay. I turned tiny, so I just want your kanji right away. Yes. Okay. That is all. Time to spare, but did terrible. Okay. How much fake money did I get? I need a couch. Okay. That was almost all animals we've talked about, and it shows you how much I do not remember. <laughs> so, listeners, I hope you did better than me. He's putting me to shame. It's okay. I'll ask you about dog breeds and Disney animal questions. Although you did really well with the penguins last time. And the fascinating calculations. <laughs> Woo! Also, folks, next week while he's doing this, we start into our Pacific Ocean slash Oceana Part 2. Um, so look forward to that and probably more creepy things from the ocean is my guess. Oh, it looks like he has a total. Here we go. $3,800. Oh, that was pretty good. Oh, shit. How much did I have last time? It I have wasn't no clue. A lot. It was like 1200 Yeah, you had very little I'm last gonna, time. I'm still going to put on this. I have 38 I'm going to have to go back and listen so we know how much money we have, Casey. So under Animal Addicts History, very first animal of the week was the Kawadi, or Kawadamundi, if you want to be special. Yep, like me. <laughs> the first animal, first invertebrate animal of the week was the giant isopod. Go me. And the first ectotherm animal of the week was the green anaconda. Oh, yes. That's why I forgot them. Yes. Part of your nightmares. Mm -hmm. Largest animal of the week was colossal squid. Yep. And there have been a total of four invertebrates as animals of four? the week. Four? So I actually get more money then? Yes. <laughs> How much money did that give me? How much was that one worth? 500. Oh, no. Uneven math. <laughs> 43. <laughs> 43. Almost a thousand, forty-three hundred fake dollars. <laughs> and where that means <laughs> word in quotation marks means <laughs> physical difference between males and females is sexual dimorphism. Yeah. And the word that refers to beneficial interaction between two species is mutualism. Damn it! You're gonna keep asking me these questions. I'm gonna get them wrong every yes. single time. You're like, eventually you'll get this. And the word that means eggs hatch inside the female, then gives birth, is ovoviviparous. I just thought of it right now, yep. as you were saying. I was like, <laughs> I, before you said it, I was like, ovoviviparous. That's yes. right. 
And the word that means a female can reproduce without mating is parthenogenesis. Oh yeah, no, I was never gonna get that one. <laughs> and a word that means an animal that eats ants and termites is myrmecophagus. Myrmecophagus. I'm never gonna remember that one either, dude. <laughs> it's too long. Yes. And for spinous marls, charismatic insect in massive migration was the monarch butterfly. You got correct. Marine invertebrate that has blood harvests is mm -hmm, Test yep. for safety yep. and medical equipment is the horseshoe crab. Insect that tricks ants into taking care of it as a larvae is the Alcum blue butterfly. Yep. Giant cephalopod that uses hooks to capture is very colossal squid. And the Irukandji jellyfish is the only one that has stinging cells on its bell. And then animals for scary sex. What group of animals is well known for males giving birth? That is seahorse. And what name of insects that injects eggs into another organism is parasitoids. Mm -hmm. Species in which male fuses a female is the anglerfish. Yep. And the kind of reproduction in which the male injects sperm into the female's abdomen is called traumatic insemination. Ugh, that makes sense. <laughs> Yes. And the kind of reproduction when larvae develop in a female's body cavity is called hemocytic oviparity. I was never <laughs> going to. I will never remember that. Keep in mind, I've talked about everything. Yes, you have, this. Casey. But there is a lot of scientific <laughs> stuff, and it changes every time. Like, sexual dimorphism, yeah, there's no reason to not know that one. But, like... Hema something oviviparous, whatever. I'm not going to remember Hemosic ovipary. Yeah, not going to remember that. It's not happening. Yes. And reptiles that resemble a snake is the Sheltapusic. I would have also taken legless lizard. Oh, okay. Well, I said Sheltapusic. And what reptile appears like a lizard but is its own ancient lineage is the Tuatara. Tuatara, damn it. I would see, I knew there were A's in that. I was yes. like, two something. And what tiny primate has eyes so large you can't move them? So mad. The tarsier. It begin with a T. Damn yes. it. Tarsier, yeah. Yep. And what group of animals are fish more closely related to than sharks? Specifically bony fish. I would have accepted any tetrapod. <laughs> us is my answer. Yes. And the ancient fish in which is most closely related to us is more closely related to us than to other fish Coelacanth. is the coelacanth. I'm never which you that could song. not pronounce. Nope. I got the West Indian part. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> coelacanth. Mm -hmm. Yep. That is all of them. Okay, well, there we go. It was a lot of review that obviously I'm not good at, so I really hope our listeners did better than me because it's kind of sad. Yes. But, like, you're not going to learn all the things and memorize them, but if you can pick up little things. Yes, but you study <laughs> it, Casey. If we were studying the podcast, yes, we'd remember everything. But when you're just listening to it for funsies, mm. then you're just going to pick stuff up here and there. I know sexual dimorphism, don't I? Yes. And at least I knew it had to do with viparous. Even though I didn't get the ovo part. <laughs> mutualism, for some reason, is just a term that escapes my mind every time. <laughs> that was not hard, but whatever. Mm. All right. Well, there we go. We'll have to make somebody come up with, like, questions for both of us, and we'll have to actually go against each other at some point. I would. But it can't just be scientific. Like, there'll be one category that's all science, and one's going to be, like, all pop culture and, like, dog <laughs> breeds and shit. But I have no culture. <laughs> That's fine. All right. Well, that does bring us to the end of this episode, episode 34 of the Animal Addicts podcast. I do have issues finding <laughs> it's me. Um, I was like, what's the significance? 34. Nothing. One year, <laughs> one year away from when you can run for president, if I remember correctly. That is correct. Yep. 
I met someone that didn't know the qualifications for running for president. They thought you had to be a lawyer. <laughs> you look at that. I know. Like most recently, uh, clearly not the case. Yeah. That's really uh, weird. Yes, it was one of her coworkers. <laughs> the, the coworkers who, who thought this? Yeah, one of our coworkers thought this. Oh, one of our coworkers thought this. Yes. Oh my God, you're gonna have to tell me off <sighs> off the podcast who that was because that's hilarious. I hope they were younger and just silly <laughs> and like fresh out of high school. Then they should know yeah. it more. You learn that stuff in yeah. like middle school. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, all right. But thank you for joining us. And we will catch you next week slash next month for the Pacific Ocean. As always, we're your host, Sally. And Casey. And we will catch you in the ocean next month. Woo! That's not folks.